Hello and welcome to The Fruitful Life with Andrea Thompson. Today's episode is going to be about a pattern of self-denial. We'll, we'll call it that. This has actually been a topic of choice recently between me and some dear friends of mine that I love. Um, and I am going to present it in such a way that I... I don't know the fullness of what this looks like to walk out. So I want to go ahead and preface this by saying that. But it is something that is on the Lord's heart. I do believe it is a good measuring stick for for if you are growing in maturity in the things of Christ, if you are walking as he walked. Because this is one of those areas that is a little bit difficult for, for self um, the very thing that we're supposed to be crucifying. Um, you know, Paul said to consider others higher than ourselves. Um, for some people, that's easier than others uh, because by nature, they are actually very humble. Um, for some people, it's it's only difficult in certain areas. Um, that would be me. I feel like it's difficult in particular areas and not in others. Um, but either way, it is something that we absolutely need to work on because it's a kingdom mandate. It just is. Um, and so we're going to go back today to 1 Corinthians, um, which is talking about the conscience. The conscience is something that is very uh, important to the Lord. Reason being is because I believe the Holy Spirit is very much connected to our conscience. I believe the Holy Spirit uses our conscience to teach us right from wrong. Um, and the Bible says that it's important that we don't go past our conscience. Um, it talks about those who have, have gone past their conscience many a times and have actually ended up with what's called a seared conscience, which means that at this point they can't feel anything as far as right or wrong. So the conscience is, is real um, and it, it is effective um, at leading and guiding us through, through the help of the Holy Spirit. And so first, before I get into this, I want to make sure that we understand that it's important that you don't go past your conscience. Now, what I mean by that is if you feel convicted about something um, or you feel you shouldn't go uh, to the left when everybody's going to the right, you know, whatever it is, whether you understand it or you don't in that moment, I would encourage you to not go past your conscience. Um, the more that we go past our conscience, the more uh, that we get into that place that's the very opposite of being tenderhearted, uh, which helps us to have circumcised ears and a circumcised heart and to hear from the Lord. So this is actually getting ready to talk to us about conscience. This is kind of what I've been talking about with order and why we need to to hold ourselves accountable or allow others to hold us accountable to this place. It's like, are, are, yeah, we're serving in church. Yeah, we're tithing. Yeah, we're doing these things. And these things are good things. But the measure, the true measuring stick is those places that require such a level of heart transformation and such a dying to self. This would be one of those places. So in the church in Corinth, which if I'm just being honest, was a whole hot mess. Um, these people apparently were very prideful, were really struggling in all the foundational things that we need to grow up in the things of Christ and again to walk as he walked. Um, and so 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 Paul has had to address many things in both letters in the 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 first Corinthians and second Corinthians, both written to the same church in Corinth. And then there's apparently a mystery letter of rebuke uh, that we have not seen. But here he is talking to them about the conscience. In in the days that they were living in, the, the issue that he is presenting here using as an example, or maybe even responding to their questions about, 
uh, that was causing divisions in the church is, can we eat meat that has been sacrificed to idols? If we are in fact free in all things, right? Because we are, Christ came to set us, it's for freedom that Christ came to set us free, right? And so they're asking, you know, are, are we free to do this, right? And, and technically the answer is yes, but we have to remember that Paul said, everything that I'm free to do is not profitable for me, okay? So sometimes it doesn't come down to what rights do I have in Christ Jesus? It comes down to, are you willing to lay down those rights for your brethren within the body? Right. And so it, 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 the best example I can think of is uh, when as far as the rights aspect go is when when somebody is is talking bad about you and it's utter lies, you know, in, in your logical brain, you would have the right to defend yourself. But a lot of the times the righteous thing to do is to leave room for God to do what only God can do and and for you to go silent. Why? Because in that moment, you're giving up your right to defend because you're choosing the better portion. You're choosing to walk in the ways of God and then God will have his way. Okay. And so here, starting in chapter eight, verse one, it says, now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So that's one of the main foundational verses of this concept. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Is is God against knowledge? Absolutely not. He tells us to seek understanding, to seek wisdom, to seek knowledge, right? Um, but we always have to be careful that the very things in which we're seeking, even including the blessings of God, which God gives us, do not become a form of pride because they can. It's all over the Bible. So what he's saying here is knowledge can puff up, but love, you can never go wrong with love. Love, which is sacrificial pertaining to Jesus, edifies, meaning it builds up. Okay, this is how you, again, measuring stick. This is how you measure if what you're doing is right or wrong. Okay, and, and it's all in balance. But it says, if anyone thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. To me, that means like, be careful not to get puffed up in your knowledge because you don't get it. You're going to totally miss it if you allow something as beautiful as knowledge to puff you up. You know, earlier in Corinthians, Paul said to them because they were boasting in the most ridiculous things. And he said, what do you have that you've not been given? And if indeed you have been given, if indeed you received it, why do you boast as if you didn't? Right. We should never be taking the things of God like salvation, like anointing, like mercy, grace, knowledge, revelation, uh, gifting. We should never none of these things should be puffing us up because that shows that we're not operating in love. OK, so he said, but if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know. So he's speaking of those more mature right now right? Those who are a little bit further along in understanding of the freedom we have in Christ. He says, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no other God but one, right? He says, for even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, yet for us, there is one God, the father of whom are all things. And we for him and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom are all things and through whom we live. So he's basically saying, yeah, like we, we know the truth. The truth is there's only one God. doesn't matter how many little G gods or idols that people worship. We serve one God and one God alone. Nothing wrong with that, right? So then he says, uh, however, there is not in everyone that knowledge. 
for some with consciousness of the idol until now eat it as a thing offered to an idol and and here's the result their conscience being weak is defiled okay so he's saying there's people that are weaker in the faith weaker in their understanding of their freedoms right and their conscience in its current state which which it, it, as you grow up in the things of Christ, it gets you become more and more free. Now you're already as free as you can be positionally because Christ, the, it's a finished work. But we're growing up into that. We're maturing into that, right? And so he's saying here, these people are weaker. Uh, they're weaker in, in conscience. And so for them, if they're eating these things, they're conscious of the idol itself, of the fact that this meat was sacrificed to an idol. And for them, when they do that, when they go ahead and eat it, their conscience being weak is defiled. So then he goes on to say, this is, he's given balance here. He's saying, but food does not commend us to God for neither if we eat, are we better? Nor if we do not eat, are we the worse? So there's the balance. He's, he's coming in and saying food doesn't matter in a general concept, whether you eat or you don't, doesn't make you better in the eyes of God. Okay. So he's also bringing them down from their pride. Okay. The fact that you have this knowledge and you get, you have this freedom that Christ gave you and you get that an idol is nothing does not make you better than the one whose conscience is struggling in this area right and so then he said but beware so here here here's the plumb line but beware lest somehow this liberty of yours this right of yours to eat all things this freedom that you have been given in christ as a precious gift of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak okay for if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols it's like little kids you know how little kids follow each other and how we always get in we get on the older ones right when they start doing things that the younger ones automatically follow because they don't know any better it's literally that example we always go for the older kids because we're like you're you're around a, a three-year-old who's going to follow everything that you do and they don't know better they don't know that when they climb up to this height that that if they jump off of this thing like you just did they're going to like break an arm or something you're nine or ten they're three and they're going to follow you in jumping off that thing but they're not in a place where they can handle that it's kind of that concept it's like you who are older yes you have the right to be free and eating it because you don't have any issue with your conscience but where you go wrong is that you don't think about your brother or sister in christ who has a weaker conscience who is less mature in the faith doesn't make you better is less mature in the faith okay that you cause them to stumble because they're going to follow what it is that you're doing okay and it says and because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom christ died but when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. So this concept is that self-sacrificial love. It's saying I'm not going to cause, I would rather give it up than to cause my brother to stumble. 
Now hear me guys, this requires a balance and a leading of the Holy Spirit. So you're probably gonna have a lot of questions with this. I would encourage you to wrestle with the word of God and ask God how you walk this out. What does this look like to walk out? Because we need to learn how to hear from the Holy Spirit with the word of God anyways, okay? But this is a concept that is very biblical, very kingdom, very Christ-like that yes, we are more mature in these certain ways and that should humble us, not make us full of pride. We are not better than anyone. Yet we should be looking at those in the body who are weaker in their faith, in their conscience, okay? We should be bowing, not bowing down, as not they're humbling ourselves to their level and, and choosing to give up particular things if it's going to keep our brother from stumbling. Because in the word it said, anything that is not done in faith actually is sin, period. So this brother or sister in Christ cannot go past their conscience. If their conscience is saying to them, if I eat this, like I will not be okay because I'm very much aware of the idols that this has been sacrificed to, whether you feel free to do it or not, they should not be doing it. I mean, this, this shows that the conscience can be defiled when you go past it. So you, as the, the older one, so to speak, should not come against them. You should not, um, you know, be puffed up in your knowledge. Love edifies, love builds up. How do you build up? You sacrifice something in order to keep them from stumbling. That is the way of Christ. And it's tough. It is tough. So I'm not saying this to you like it is easy, but that's the whole point. And then uh, starting in 9, chapter 1. I'm sorry, nine, verse one, it says, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ, our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If I'm not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we have no right to eat or drink? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife? as do also the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord in Cephas. This is a whole different thing. Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? Whoever goes to war at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit? Or who tends to a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock? Do I say things as mere men? Or does not the law say the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about? Or does he say it all together for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be a partaker of his hope. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? If others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, so here it is. So this whole concept is a whole different example of self-denial. So again, Paul is saying here, I have every right, okay, to, to expect a blessing, not, not over in abundance. He's not asking for, uh, you know, modern day, uh, uh, modern day examples of, you know, you need to buy me a $600 million home because I've preached the gospel for you. It's not that he's, he's wanting to be able to survive, wanting to be able to live. And it is according to the word that we are to bless those who deliver the word to us. It is. It's, it's in scripture over and over again. 
those who preach the gospel, um, you know, whether it's we take them into our home, um, you know, give them a meal, um, you know, sow into them, whatever it is that that is according to scripture. So he's reminding them even back to the law of Moses that God intended for for people who are walking in these things and blessing thing, blessing people with spiritual things like teaching and preaching and, and showing and show forth, so forth um, should be blessed. And, and he is correct. Okay. But hear this. He says, nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not th- know that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings? Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel But I have used none of these things, nor have I written these things that it should be done for me. For it would be better for me to die than that anyone should make my boasting void. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I've been entrusted with a stewardship. What is my reward then that when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. So again, there's that, that, that concept of having the right. He has every right to expect blessing, to expect to be able to uh, live off of what he was called to. Okay. But he says, I I'm, I'm sacrificing that right. Lest I hinder the gospel of Christ because people were having an issue with it. And he's like, I would rather die than hinder the gospel of Christ to bring any impurity to it. So do you see how one thing trumps the other? According to scripture, he has every right, but he says, if this is going to cause a bunch of stuff, I would rather not even do it so that the gospel keeps going forth in utter purity. I give up my right for the sake of the gospel. Same thing with what we read before about meat sacrificed to idols. I give up my right for the sake of my brother, for the sake of the way that Jesus Christ showed us. It goes back to what I said in the last episode about how Stephen, the martyr, as well as Jesus, uh, were both killed and and were, were saying from their mouths, forgive them for they know not what they do. Who would have the most right, guys? To, to, to all the things who would have the most right, but Jesus. And he did not use that right. He even himself said, I could call down legions of angels right now, but that is not the way it's not the way. And it's not the will of the father. And so I encourage you to really take a look at this and wrestle with it and allow it to transform your heart. It is, a, it's a deep place of transformation. So just know it, it, it's going to convict you a little bit. It's going <laughs> to put you off, uh, off balance a little bit, but that's the point. That's how we find the true balance. That's how we find the plumb line is to allow ourselves to get off balance for a moment so that we can, again, be building correctly, right? Of things that will be of eternal value when we stand before him. So praise the Lord. So Father God, I just thank you for this time, Lord. uh, This time is just so precious. God, I thank you for the word of the Lord that goes forth. Um, It is only your Holy Spirit. Paul said, what do you have that you've not been given? And God, you have given me a gift to be able to just allow the word to just work through me, God. And so I'm I'm, I'm grateful, Lord, when you bring the word through the Holy Spirit, because it surely isn't me. And Father, I pray that everyone would take heed to this word today, God, that we would be sensitive to people's conscience, but that we would also know a balance between, again, grace and truth, because you're not asking us to 
compromise the, the, the truth. You're not asking us to compromise the gospel. And there are areas where we do have to take a stand, you know, but there's also areas, God, where you are asking us to give up our rights uh, for the love of our brethren. Jesus said, how will they know that you're my disciples? Because you love each other. And the type of love that he's talking about, God, is self-denial, self-sacrifice. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to be a people like this. Help us to be a people who trade our right, so to speak, for the love of the brethren and the love of the gospel, the love of Jesus Christ. Bless the word of the Lord as it goes forth, may it not return void. And we thank you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.